What's up, y'all? It's Kavya. Welcome to the 13th episode of Women on the Mic. I'm so honored to have Bethany Zumo of the U.S. Women's Sitting Volleyball Team here with me today. I'm really excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining me today. Thanks for having me. Um, so, firstly, before I get into your amazing volleyball career and your story, I know, you know, during this time of uncertainty and, like, anxiety for a lot of people, you're doing something pretty amazing and special for your community and, you know, making masks. And so I was wondering, you know, whether you could share a bit more about how you how you got that started and how that's going. Yeah, so it's actually kind of a funny story because um, my siblings actually um, were the ones who had told me, like, hey, Bethany, you should be making these masks. And um, I wasn't sure if... Um, if they were needed, because at that time, like, we weren't sure if yeah. cloth masks were useful and they needed to be filtered or whatever. Um, and so they had just seen over and over again on social media, and I was like, okay, fine, I'll, um, I'll try it. And then I was like, wow, these are really easy to make. Um, and so we've just not stopped making them since. That's awesome. So how are you making them? I'm sorry? How are you making them? Um, we're using a pattern that we found online, um, and I'm basically, like, assembly lining it, so, like, I do, like, a ton of, um, steps, and then I, and so it's just the best way to get as many out as quickly as possible. That's awesome. That's really inspiring that you're doing that for your community, so thank you. Um, so I want to kind of touch upon your story a little bit and kind of lead up to your path to the Paralympic Games. So, um... When you were two, you got your right foot amputated due to two congenital disorders. So for mm-hmm. people who, you know, don't know that story, do you mind sharing that for them? Um, yeah. So when I was born, I was born without my fibula, um, which was the small backbone in um, your lower leg. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, the doctors didn't even notice. Um, when I was born, my dad actually was the one who saw, wow. like, a little ripple in mm-hmm. my skin um, hmm. in that area, and he pointed it out to them, and then they did x-rays and found out um, almost immediately <laughs> that, that, like, oh, yeah, there, there's an entire bone hmm. that's missing. Wow. Um, and they let um, they um, let me grow a little bit, so that's why I didn't have the surgery until I was two, because they wanted to see... Um, what else was going on. They didn't want to make any quick decisions, um, to amputate it. Um, and then by the time I was two, my right leg had not grown as much as my left leg. So my right leg was actually four inches shorter than my left by the time. And and when you're two, that's a big difference. Mm -hmm. Um, and that discrepancy was only going to continue to get worse. So at that point they decided to amputate. So got it. I mean, I can imagine the, like, courage and mental strength it took to accept yourself at that young age and kind of appreciate your differences, because, I mean, at a young age, it might have been hard to see, like, a bunch of your friends might be looking different. So, were there times, can you, like, tell me a few times where you might have felt, like, insecure and how you kind of started embracing that, your differences, and feeling a little more confident? Yeah, um, well, I really attribute my um, my personality and my attitude toward my leg to my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, from the point that I was born, the doctors told my parents, like, she's going to 
to grow up happy and like quote unquote normal like if you allow her to um so they basically treated me the same as my sisters Mm -hmm. um who came after me by like two years so um really I just grew up um being told that I can do everything else that everyone else can do um and I know that that's not the same for every um amputee that a lot of their parents are um more cautious and um sometimes even fearful of the way that this person's going to grow up but my parents did not um allow me to feel insecure really in any way um I mean, obviously, like, growing up, like, everyone has those insecurities, no matter what it's about, Um, and so mine, mine just, when there were small things, like, if I went to the pool, I didn't want to take my leg off, because I didn't want anybody to see Mm -hmm. my nubby, which now I think is the coolest thing in the world, (laughs) that I'm like, I can take my leg off, nobody else can do that, (laughs) Um, but... Um, but when I was younger, I, I was insecure about it and it took time it really, um, it took time and it took a really safe environment that my family had created for me to, um, feel comfortable with myself and embrace myself. Definitely. And I think you mentioned a good point, how everyone has their own insecurities and are dealing with their own, you know, like accepting themselves. So what would be your advice to, you know, not only young women, but just young people in general who are struggling to kind of accept themselves and criticizing their differences? Yeah, I think it's, it's hard because it doesn't matter what anyone says to you for you to feel um, for you to change that feeling in mm-hmm. you, like it has to come from within you. And, yeah. um, that's a huge thing that I look back and think like, Oh, if I only had heard this advice then, but maybe I wasn't ready then to, mm-hmm. to hear that. Um, maybe I had been told and didn't accept that knowledge the same way. Um, so I, I think it's about being patient with yourself and where you are right now. Um, and just loving yourself right now for all the flaws, all of the mistakes that you know that you've, you've had, all of, all of the insecurities, like just accepting those as this is me. Um, and, and the faster that happens, the more that you can like own it. I love that. Um, obviously, you know, volleyball is such a huge part of your life. And so I was wondering how, how you first got into sport. Like, did you play a bunch of sports at first? Did you like, how did you get into volleyball? Yeah. So, um, my grandma actually owned a dance studio, um, that my mom and my aunts and, um, cousins grew up dancing in. And so when I was born, I just kind of fell into the same family Mm -hmm. hobby of dance. Um, so I did that for a number of years and, um, then my parents wanted to introduce me into other sports, um, to see how I would, Um, how I would do. And I think part of that was that my parents wanted me to know that I could play anything if I wanted to. Um, So they kind of forced me to try different ones. Um, And volleyball, for some reason, just stuck. Like once I started playing, I didn't want to play anything else. And my parents were happy that I found that thing that that gave me that much joy. and frustration when you're learning this new mm-hmm. sport. <laughs> like, it's yeah. super frustrating. Yeah, I know, um, it is. <laughs> but but that I wanted to accept those challenges, and I wanted to be the best volleyball player that I could be, and my parents were just happy that 
I wanted to play something. Yeah, I mean, were you hesitant at all to start sports, or were you kind of like, yeah, this is cool, I'm going to go do this? Um, yeah, I think because my sisters and I were so close in age that, like, we all kind of just started sports together. Yeah. Um, I don't think, I don't have any memory of being hesitant towards starting to play, um, but I, yeah, I, I just really like mm-hmm. sports in, in general, like, I really like them, and, but, but I mean, it is. It is intimidating, like, especially with volleyball, because before I knew about um, Paralympics or sitting volleyball or anything, like, I wanted to be as good as the player next to me. Um, And without having an ankle, um, logistically, like, I cannot jump as high. Like, Mm -hmm. it is a fact. I, I... I cannot do things the way other people can. And so I had to find solutions to those challenges. Um, And no coach could help me because no coach had coached a person with one leg before in my my experience. Um, So, so it did provide challenges in that way that were intimidating, but I also like, I feel like I took them on looking back. I don't often look back like that. It's (laughs) (laughs) So I know you mentioned you started playing standing volleyball and then you transitioned. So how was that transition? Because I mean, like, it must have been a super different style of game to kind of adapt to. Yeah, it's actually really, really um, embarrassing because I was introduced to the sitting volleyball team in seventh grade um, and I had no interest in playing it (laughs) because my parents for so long had um, instilled in me that I was like this normal that I don't really know what the definition of that means, Mm -hmm. but that's what, that was my mindset. Yeah. Um, And so like seeing people playing, sitting, people not having their legs on, that was like traumatic for me. I was like, Mm -hmm. no, I have two legs. Look, I can go play standing. And I think it was a huge um, growth piece when I finally started to play because I was like, okay, I'm going to play sitting volleyball. Not because I can't play standing, but because I choose to play sitting volleyball mm, because yeah. it's a whole other sport and it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the biggest, my biggest challenge was my own head. Yeah. Um, so, and I feel like that's a lot of people's definitely thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. when did you like try and pursue like a Paralympic Games and like try out for Team USA? Was that like? Um, for London Mm -hmm. um, in 2012. I had graduated high school in 2011 and um, moved out to the training site and was playing every single day and was trying my hardest to make this roster. And that just didn't happen. Um, And it was really frustrating, but um, I think I wasn't ready to go then. Um, And so I continued to train for four more years and was really really ready in Rio it went really well so I mean I can imagine like when you got left behind as an alternate for London that probably was really frustrating and yeah maybe didn't like do great things for your confidence so what how did you like bounce back and what was kind of like your mentality going four years later to Rio um yeah so so it's hard that's hard um I really struggled after London Mm -hmm. 
was angry. I was going through the same emotions that I feel like anybody who gives their a hundred percent of their energy to to getting this goal and being told that you're not good enough um or at least that's what you receive that's not that's not what I was told I wasn't told you're not good enough but not making that roster for me said you're not good enough and um so it then you have two choices you get to choose um whether you would like to quit and try something different or you get to choose to stay and fight that and challenge that and say, no, I, I will be needed. I will contribute to this team. I will, um, I will work my butt off until I am on that starting roster. Yeah. Um, so it's really just all a choice. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, what exactly what you said, your story embodies the importance of, like, persistence. And I think that goes, you know, off of the court as well into, like, everything you do. And I think, like, volleyball in general, sports in general, teaches everyone, like, a lot of important life lessons that you can carry out outside of the court. So what would you say is, like, the most or one of the most valuable things you've learned through volleyball? important things that I've learned is teamwork and I know that is so cliche and (laughs) um to say but but it's it's real um I know my role on the court I know my role when I'm off the court um and working within a team where my job is to be the libero um is to pass the ball I have one job I don't have to worry about scoring points. I don't have to worry about setting up players for hitting. I just have to worry about getting one ball to my setter mm-hmm. or just up to yeah. another teammate. Um, so it makes things simple if you allow them to. If you say that, like, this is my job and I have trust in my teammates that they are going to perform their jobs. Um, and, and that's actually funny because it goes straight into like how I'm working with these masks and I'm not building these masks on my own I'm building them with my sister I'm building them with my grandma even helping she's the cutest (laughs) um I'm building them with my mom and we have different jobs like I'm the the really the only person on the sewing machine because I'm just the fastest at it um and so I'm sewing and then when it's time for it to something to be ironed in a step of of making the mask I hand them off to my mom that's not my job that's my mom's job I know that she's going to press it and then get it back to me so I can sew the next step yeah and I think I think like it, it, it can be translated into anything. Teamwork Definitely. and trust in your team can be translated from sport into anywhere. Yeah, I mean, as you said, volleyball, you can't, you literally can't play it without the other people on the court. Yeah, um, absolutely. And you're a libero, so liberos don't necessarily get those kills or, you know, the points. But Zero. without you, like, <laughs> you can't, you don't have the opportunity for those kills. So yeah. what is something, you know, you've learned specifically from being a libero that, you know, you would think, like, it's it's specific for from the libero position? Something like life like <laughs> anything anything um I know that trust is the most important thing mm-hmm. that 
Um, I have a fantastic relationship with my setter, um, with the, the, uh, starting setter that was in Rio. Um, she is my best friend on and off the court. Um, we, she is my forever roommate. I've been on this team for 10 years and she has been my roommate since the beginning. Um, and so like knowing that when I'm on the court, I don't have to focus on anyone else but this one person mm-hmm. um, because, like, my job specifically is to pass the ball. And people are hitting the ball as hard as they can at me or around me trying to get the ball to hit the floor. And my job is to get that ball back to my setter. Mm-hmm. And so, like, really, like, simplifying it, like, that that's – I think being able to trust that even if I don't get it perfect, that she's going to give everything Mm -hmm. to getting to continuing to keep that ball up because her job is also not to put the ball down her ball. Her job is to set our hitters. So like her knowing that she's embracing her role as much as I am. um, It's just a trust that creates a really healthy relationship and friendship. Um, So that. I think that's something yeah, specific. Definitely. <laughs> um, speaking of like amazing teams and teamwork, uh, let's talk about Rio. I mean, I'm sure that was such an amazing experience for yeah. you and your team. So talk to me about, you know, that experience, being there and then that winning that gold. I mean, that must have been amazing. Yeah. It's it's funny, I don't often like I don't think about it that much, but when I do, like my heart like flutters <laughs> yeah. and like, you know, and you think yeah. This is yeah. like, was that real? Yeah, like, all the goosebumps. Because really <laughs> um, it's going on four years now since then, and it's like, yeah. really? That happened? That was like, what? <laughs> um, I'm like, I'm like laughing. I'm like giddy right now thinking about it. Um, yeah, so it actually, it was such a crazy experience um, because I had had such a, like, such a challenge like, making the roster Mm -hmm. that, um, to begin with, so just, like, just, like, the being there, um, was insane, and then knowing that, like, our job was to go get a gold medal, and that was the most important thing, Mm -hmm. and, and that I was going to just take every point in that moment, and then let it go when it's, when it's passed, and we were just gonna Mm -hmm. keep going, and, um, take those small steps, to then getting to that gold medal match and like your heart is racing yeah. and it's crazy because you've done everything and you know that that no matter the outcome you have given everything mm-hmm. and there's nothing being held back and and it's it's just amazing yeah I can <laughs> yeah. imagine I mean one of the things you mentioned is like staying present and like being there for every single point giving it all you have and that's something like like, all my coaches have harped on is staying present, and I think that's yeah. such an important thing to be yeah. good at volleyball, because you can make all the mistakes in the world, and volleyball, like, I've always, like, people have always said, it's a game of mistakes. You don't get the yeah. points without someone making a mistake. Mm-hmm. So being able to be present, wash it off, and get set for the next point is so crucial. So I think yeah. that's a really good point. Um, So many girls, so many, not only girls, athletes look up to you, and, um, you know, the platform you have, and being an amazing uh, female sports um, just person in general. So who when who did you look up to when you were younger? Um, <laughs> I looked up to 
Carrie Walsh and mm. Mr. May. Yeah. They were my people, man. Yeah. I was like, like so like. Didn't Carrie oh Walsh God. give you a shout out on Instagram? I know, she did. Were you like oh fangirling? Sorry. <laughs> I have to contain myself. Okay, yes. I would have been I would have been excited. <laughs> that happened and I was like, oh my god. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> no, that was so awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm still like trying to meet both of them. So um that's a thing. But <laughs> I that's will eventually. So cool. And I've like told people that I'm like just gonna like fangirl like my little <laughs> ten year old self who was like, I just wanna be like them. Yeah. Like I just thought they were the coolest. Yes. Like, and it was funny because, like, I had a, a best friend in um, school who was tall, and I was always short, so I'm, like, 5'3". Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, like, Misty May, and she was because she was taller. And so whenever we would play volleyball, it was, like, oh, I'm, like, Misty May. And I'm, like, oh, my God, I just love them so oh, much. That's <laughs> so awesome. I, I'm, I'm yeah. hoping to get the photos when you meet them, and I'll... Oh, my gosh. That'd be so Me cool. Me, too. <laughs> <laughs> um... So before I finish, I, I know I've asked you, like, kind of some big questions, but to lighten it up a little, I, I mean, there's so much time right now, so I'm sure you're probably, like, watching some good shows or listening to some good music. Do you have any good, like, recommendations for TV shows? Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, so I, every single night, I do not know why this happened, but I watch Scooby-Doo. No way. Um, what's new Scooby-Doo, and then when I'm bored of it, I watch Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, which I, I love like, that. took me a second to, like, get used to, because I was like, this is weird, like, Velma and Shaggy are in a relationship, and this doesn't make sense <laughs> to me, but, like, it was, like, <laughs> one of those revamp shows, but I literally don't know why, like, my sister will be in the other room, and she'll, like, already know what I'm doing, like, because she can just hear the theme song, and I'm like, oh, yeah, because I'm about to go to sleep. That's so but, awesome. Like, I can't go to sleep without it. <laughs> I love it. So I have no idea why, but but that is my jam right now. I love so. it. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me today. I have one last question for you, mm-hmm. which I ask everyone, but what is the most important thing you think we should be teaching young women today? Oh, my God. That's the biggest question ever. Yeah, I got to end with a big mic drop. Oh, my gosh. That's pressure, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ask me it one more time. Okay. <laughs> Bethany, what yes. is the most important thing we should be teaching young women today? Oh, God, I'm really trying to focus on this. <laughs> um, so, uh, I think, oh, God, I'm going to go with some cliche ones. I think that believing in yourself and being able to laugh at yourself yeah. is, like, super important. Like, we try to take ourselves so seriously and it's good you want to to you know treat yourself as a professional or like or like be the coolest but I think what I have found is the most authentic for me um is is to just laugh at yourself because you will make mistakes Mm -hmm. like I have gotten hit in the face with (laughs) volleyball more times probably than I would like to admit but if I can laugh about those and not like be hard on myself about it like Mm. the experience the memory like it's not it's not traumatizing it's it's oh my god I'm yeah goofy I think I have like a a highlight reel of all the times I've like tripped on the court or something like that that's incredible (laughs) you should 
you should put that on social media. Yeah. You should just, just <laughs> laugh at yourself yeah. as much as you can. Um, <laughs> because I think that that really helps. To me, it helps build confidence. It helps you to be able to believe in yourself because you're not treating every mistake as this failure. Yeah. It's just a mistake. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Like, you're yeah. going to be okay. So, like, you should laugh at yourself. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was so fun, and I'm glad we got to talk. So I'm looking forward to when you get to meet Carrie Walsh and Misty May. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much. Okay, Okay, go ahead. So we, I want to shout out that myself and my family have now delivered over 500 masks. That is amazing. Like two weeks. That's so awesome. I'm so excited. (laughs) 